Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Just call me a meteorologist because today's forecast calls for a heavy shower of praise. I'm a brave little toaster, brave and undoubtedly filled with bread. (laughs) What I call a thinker and do I still get it? I'm not quite sure. Listen, I love a carb, and I hope you guys have carbo-loaded for today's uh, episode because it could be a little bit of a marathon, and I'm here for it. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 273, which feels wild, <laughs> literally wild, saying that out loud, and I'm so excited to have a new guest on the People's People's Couch. She is a Bravo-holic. She's a friend on uh, IG and maybe IRL. And also, speaking of IRL, she works full time. Um, I'm in the same actual work field. I'm surprised we haven't um, run, into, run into each other in the hallway. Forensic social worker working in criminal justice. <laughs> same thing I do when I talk about housewives and like maybe I get some shoes or whatever on a Thursday and maybe I go to Whole Foods and run an errand. Very very similar jobs, both both incredibly important <laughs> to many. Um, welcome to Andy's Girls. Very first time on the People's People's Couch. Said that twice to make sure we're all paying attention. So pay attention, please, to Veronica Leventhal. Veronica, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here with a fellow cultural anthropologist. 
Right? That is adding that to my Instagram bio. Oh, wait, there's no room. Uh, (laughs) But I will spiritually, spiritually adding that to the IG of it all. And I have to say, so we have we met through Instagram. Yes. I think you came to Andy's Girls Live, asked a question like an icon. And guys, you can <laughs> listen to that episode on the Andy's Girls Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Always be closing. Um, and I just thought, Veronica Leventhal, we talk, we DM, we message, we connect. <laughs> now is the time for you to onboard thyself to the Andy's Girls guest experience. All I wanted to do is is dish with you about Housewives. So I'm very, I'm very honored to be here. Uh, honored to have you. And I have to say, so that uh, AGs know the breadth, the history, the spectrum, the small world and yet large universe of what it means to be a Bravo-holic and also someone with a little bit of like a tertiary tertiary connection to the to the world that we discuss um uh, because I am a broadcast journalist in my heart and soul I'm absolutely not that has never been a goal of mine um but for the purposes of now so Leventhal sounds like a last name that I can recall through the Bravo world want to give the AGs a little bit of background on um not just what brings you to this universe, but so, sort of your relationship to it a little bit in um, a way that makes you comfortable and <laughs> secure here in the AG safe space, shall we say? Um, yeah, my dad married Kelly Dodd, a former Real Housewives of Orange County uh, cast member. Okay. And that, I think, is the only time that she will be referenced for this episode. So, guys, drinking game alert. If if Kelly Dodd's name was a drinking game, you're going to be stone cold sober <laughs> for the rest of this episode. Um, I have to ask you, uh, you know, there's the idea of um, feeding the beast, which I don't want to participate in 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 this episode, nor I'm sure do you. Um, but what I actually think is kind of interesting is the idea of being a Bravo viewer for however many years, I want to hear about that, and then sort of becoming a part of the story, not in the sense necessarily of content on the episodes, and I haven't watched last season, so I don't entirely know if that's accurate, but but sort of being spoken about in a larger scale in the Bravo sphere. Can you tell me a little bit about what that kind of journey has sort of felt like? Like, when did you start watching Bravo and more specifically how does it still feel like an escape if you're sometimes a point of discussion I I Bravo has been a long time love I have been a a viewer and someone who is like engaged with the offline content uh you know or like off the show content on Instagram and Facebook and with my friends for years like probably you know over 10 years So I am, I am someone who even before this weird little connection, like I have found a lot of joy from Bravo Mm. and found a lot of connection. Like, I think that when it started to become something where I was a part of some sort of conversation, I was like, I'm always trying to figure out how I can turn it into something positive. And I think the way that I found it was like by finding a greater community online that like where we can talk about like the shows that we love 
And also where I can disseminate information that I think is important because I love to like talk about the things that I care about, which happen to be, you know, social justice things. And I was sort of like, if all these people are just, you know, like morbidly curious about what could be going on with me, I'll just like spam them with a bunch of like charities I love and, and political things that I care about. And just sort of like, sort of shifts the conversation into like other, maybe other things that matter more to me personally. And that's Mm -hmm. sort of how I've tried to handle it. And I think I have sometimes been better at it than others. Sometimes um, my my therapist likes to talk about the concept of revenge versus the concept of justice and focusing Mm. on something that is not revenge-based, that is justice-based, that is more holistic and healing rather than just like nudging and poking. And I, it's a daily practice for me. I fuck it up all the time, but um, that's what I'm really trying to take forward. Just like less revenge, more justice. And also the idea of responsibility, because at the end of the day, justice for one person can be using their voice, but justice for another at, at some points is not saying a single word, as odd as that sounds, because when it comes to like a person's responsibility to thy, thy own self be true, I mean, self-care is incredibly important. And if you feel like you're a participant, even unwittingly, uh, in a in a cycle or a world that potentially could be perceived or felt or understood as toxic, it's like a, I would think it would be a very delicate dance of like feeling like you feel responsible to say something and use your quote unquote platform, which is relatively private, um, for a better good, but also like you do have the right to want justice for yourself in this self in the sense of like feeling secure no is that do you ever feel that way the kind of like conundrum of it all yeah absolutely I mean I I think that is such a huge part of it of like me feeling some sort of like greater responsibility versus like having to take care of myself and and balancing that is incredibly tricky and mm-hmm. and I think um I, you know, I don't know. I don't think I'm doing a great job all the time. I'm trying. Uh, but I, I just, I'm not at a place where I want to like completely not be on social media or not be involved yeah. in it at all. Like I still get so many good things out of it that I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready to like give up. Yeah. And I feel like there's a way to say, you know, that sometimes the Bravo community aspects of it, people in it, it can feel a little bit like a pressure cooker. And so depending on who is like heating that up, it can feel hotter at one point versus at another. But just making sure that your own temperature feels relatively good, I would think, continuing this pressure, I've never actually used a pressure cooker. I, have, I feel like that has something to do with the kitchen, which is probably <laughs> why I don't understand it. But like the idea of not necessarily wanting to participate in like the tabloid gossipy stuff, regardless of what is said at you or on your behalf, you know, even if you stay silent, essentially it can be interpreted as using your voice just by like the very nature of your existence. I wonder 
what that is kind of like because you are a Bravo fan of longstanding. How do you kind of navigate and process this where I would think if I were you in the words of like Chrissy Teigen when, you know, she was referenced on the Atlanta reunion, she was like, I actually kind of don't want to be on this a part of this story. I just kind of genuinely enjoy being a fan. Have Do you look at your own fandom slightly differently now than you would a year or two before? I, um, I, I get that so much. Like I, um, I love this stuff and I love like watching other people's drama and I love, you know, watching these women fight and make up and all that stuff, but I don't like that in my own life. So that is hard. Like I, I don't like having a lot of interpersonal conflict. I, you know, want to deal with it and I want to like talk things out and have conversations with people that are difficult if necessary. But, um, yeah, that's not, my vibe is not like, throwing wine at my friends. <laughs> not me. Tamara, if you're listening, we do like the stuff that you do. We just maybe don't want to do it IRL. Um, yeah. So you said you started watching Bravo 10 years ago. What was the franchise of choice back then? And has it remained the same? Uh, I think my gateway drug was New York really yeah it's it's like so hard to pin down because I was living with uh, my best friends at the time and I know that they we all like started together um Mm. or like they showed it to me or something like that um and I know that we were watching New York because I have vivid memories of of Alex who you know kind of forget forget I mean, um, and then slowly it just, I got into all of them except for the house ones. Cause I don't really care about houses. What do you mean? The house ones million dollar listing. Yeah. <laughs> Real estate oh, I thought ones. you meant like their houses. I was like, really? Because that's one of my favorite parts. That's like 80% of the reason that Dubrow is back because of that chateau. Oh, uh, um, yes. Right. I mean, listen, uh, yeah. Million dollar listing. I kind of like when I'm in the mood for it, great. But there are, I'm super behind in every iteration of it. Because... But I do watch Selling Sunset, so I don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Well, you make time for Selling Sunset. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we just, you just make time. Um, You know, one of my favorite questions to ask people is, who is your spiritual housewife? Which is not, who is your favorite housewife? Although those answers could be, you know, potentially the same or similar. But who is the housewife you most identify yourself with? Either aspirational, this is the kind of person I would like to be. This is like goals and, you know, they use their voice for whatever reason, aspirational work, yada, yada. Or this is someone that I connect with because I see a lot of myself in them, i.e. things that I want to work on. Is there a housewife that comes to mind that you really connect with more than others? Well, obviously the housewife that I want to be like is Portia because she is hot and funny and cares about things (laughs) and does stuff that she cares about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think that internally I am not that, um, certainly not that funny and not that uh, (laughs) like interesting. So I'm probably more, I don't know, because I might also have like a problematic side, like a, like a shitty gossipy side so I could be like a little shit starter like Shannon (gasps) no wow not as bad not as not as blatant I also feel a weird connection with DeAndre Simmons so I don't know there's like a lot going on (laughs) 
interesting that you think of Shannon as a shitster. Would love to unpack that a little bit. What what makes you feel like she is the stirrer of shit? She does it in such a, a a subtle way that now that she's been on television for so many seasons, people are starting to be like, you know, you do this thing where you tell me this gossip. Then you tell me on camera, I can't tell anyone about it. Then you call me when you're drunk and are encouraging me to look up the like legal history of this person that we know. And then you pretend like none of this is you doing anything. And actually it's me bringing it up a la Emily and Gina. So that's fascinating. I have to say that my spiritual housewife is in fact Shannon Bedore, which is why you might have noticed a little bit of a sea change in my response, which I, I, I really find this really interesting because I my guess would be that Emily and Gina and Heather and maybe whoever else is on the cast whose names I forget, but TBD <laughs> and wait until they have a second season and then I'll remember. Um you know, there is the idea that she is a stirrer of shit, that she is a is a shit stirrer. I have a little bit of a different perspective on her stuff. I think she's just sometimes a little self-sabotage. I don't know, though, if she does this stuff specifically for the purposes of production as Jubro and Emily and Gina and many others feel. I mean, do you think that why do you think that Shannon told the news about Terry to Gina and Emily? Like, why do you think that? Do you think that was because of the show or because she had tea or what? What do you think was behind that decision? It's so hard to parse it out because it is mm. hard to tell if she was was being genuine in that she did not want to say it in front of cameras. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she brought it up because she knew it was something that would be dramatic because at this point if you are still on this show and you are not thinking a little bit about what can move the production forward you're just not that's not a good thing like you have to at least be a little bit tuned in because Mm -hmm. or unless you are so out to lunch that that is very funny that like Mm -hmm. like um Kathy Hilton like that you Mm -hmm. so don't understand where you are that we Mm -hmm. love you yes yeah but otherwise, you need to be doing some machinations. I mean, what does it say about Shannon if she just honestly had some hot goss and maybe she knew it would come out? Is it possible that she knew? And this is a genuine question. Please tell me to go fuck myself. You wouldn't be the third person today. But <laughs> if is it possible that she genuinely was like, here's some shit that's going to happen that's probably going to blow up, but I'm just telling you guys because I want to like establish a trust with you. I genuinely don't want you to repeat it. I'm just telling you stuff that I'm sure will come up because how could it not? I would think that I would, except for the way that Emily described their phone call, which was like Shannon pressuring her to talk about it. Or to like look into it more and to do more research and to get more involved. That was a little, why would you do that if you didn't want to talk about it? And how did you find Gina and Emily's sort of intent to reveal this information as quickly as possible, which happened to be at the first filmed group event? I mean, like when we're talking about strategy and stuff blowing up, I mean, she Shannon may have planted the seed, but look at that garden agrew, you know, like the idea that ultimately she did say something, but 
look at how it came out, do you think that there's a little bit of shared responsibility there? Oh, or yeah, do absolutely. Do you think that they're strategic or more so? How would you unpack their reaction to that through the lens of what they're doing on camera? Yeah, I think that they also are are being smart. They're at Heather's house. Like, they know what they're doing. They didn't have to talk about it then necessarily. They could have held on to it. But they were like, let's start strong. Let's go for it. And um, and I, I, I mean, as a viewer, I think it was the right choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, thank God. Thank God that they did, said everyone except Heather and Terry, except maybe they liked that too because it seemed to work out pretty well in their favor. I also think that that poor woman, what what is her actual Nicole? Nicole? Yeah, she was like very drunk too. It was hard for her to like handle. You didn't think she was drunk? I don't know. I'm sure that everybody had turtled themselves a little bit of time also because there was seemingly such a huge gap in time between when Heather left and when she returned. So like that may have a little bit of an effect in how people were responding to things. But it's hard for me to try to figure out like on the last episode of AG over the course of like three minutes, I changed my mind about Nicole, like no less than three times. (laughs) It's it's like difficult for me to try to understand her without placing strategic judgment on her choice to never mention this to Heather but mention it to Shannon except that when she mentioned it to Shannon it was like many years ago it's just a hard thing to try to understand what there's so many layers to this but I just have to think like when it comes to you participating in a reality tv show who did you tell like, did you, you surely you told production, right? Like yeah. Shannon told her producer, like, how does that all work out? Because that would seemingly have a big factor in even Shannon's decision of who she wanted to tell, let alone when Nicole assumed it was going to come out or her kind of focus on protecting this. I can't remember what Bravo Instagram did this, but one looked up sort of like all the lawsuits that Nicole had ever been involved Mm. in. And, and it's either, it sort of showed that she might have been like a little bit litigious herself, but also that like people had been suing her like Amex probably assumed maybe for like non-payment of stuff. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, just all that to say, like she may have been sort of, um, you know, you know, in a lot of shit back then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she kept saying she was like in her 20s and it was the lawyers, yada, yada, that it wasn't even something she wanted to do. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, it. it's just, it's also really hard without any of the details because like Terry didn't describe what the miscommunication, misunderstanding was. She didn't describe like what happened to her, her poor breasts. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah. And the thing is, like, she kept saying, first off, how do you engage with lawyers when you're obviously something went wrong and his characterization of it, which I unfortunately forget the actual phrasing, but it was like there was a complication. I want to know what the complication was, how lawyers were involved and why it took four and a half years to be resolved, either medically or otherwise, because plastic surgery, as with any surgery, can come with a number of complications It's also true that plastic surgeons and doctors surely face malpractice, any kind of lawsuits, you know, 
in any way. And it is also true that some doctors fuck up. So it's like, what, and maybe they have a record of it and maybe they have really bad reviews. Like what, what actually happened here? Because we're writing it off as a, you just came here to seek revenge and get attention. Oh, no, wait, you don't want to do that. Oh, but also you didn't continue, like, closed the, you know, ended the lawsuit, walked away. Thank you so much. But but why did it happen to begin with before we start saying that the only reason to talk about it would be for attention? I also loved Dr. Jen, the new one, being like, oh, yeah. the worst thing you can do is sue your doctor. Like, oh my God, lady, come on. There's so much like racism in the medical industry. You can't think of one good reason why someone would need to sue their doctor. Like, come on. I would also just think, isn't the worst thing that could happen having a surgery get fucked up? Like, why are we starting from the place of like the worst thing you can do is sue your doctor? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you have to sue your doctor because they did a bad job. You know, like, how is that different than anything else? I'm sure for a doctor, one of the worst things that can happen is being sued. But also, this is fairly naive of me. Isn't one of the worst things that can happen fucking up a surgery? Yeah. Like, what happened to that part of it? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that real bad? Yeah, that like, feels really you bad. Think that would be pretty bad like oh my god her nose isn't there anymore but she's suing me like which part <laughs> is worse like that the person no longer has a part of their face or the fact that they want to god forbid seek recourse for that I don't know I couldn't tell you I mean this I is what know. how horrible like how what a garbage person I am in my heart like I need to see what her messed up boobs look like I need to see that I don't know that I need to see it because I have like a it's not that I am like scared of like and I don't mean this in a critical whatever but like the I don't know that I need to see like mm. pictures yeah. of things but I do want to understand what happened because first off it's the one thing Heather and Terry absolutely do not want to occur which is why I sort of want to know more but also the fact that when you throw in four and a half years that is a long period of time. And to say that she was taken advantage of by lawyers, that is entirely possible. It's possible something happened. There was obviously a complication. There are ways to seek, you know, financial recourse or compensation that unfortunately do require some sort of lawsuit. That is unfortunately just the way through our country's medical care system and I don't know, flair of capitalism in there. It's just the, <laughs> unfortunately it's a part of the process for many people Yeah. Um, for insurance, let alone anything else. And it's like, I just kind of want to understand a little bit more of it because if we can tap into why Nicole seemed to be communicating a little bit of shame about it when she was the patient and didn't seemingly do anything wrong I think that would be interesting to hear more about I think there's actually a little bit of value in that sort of psychological examination even if it's over stuff that's like you know seems so seems like such an lol like the punchline of it I actually do think that there's a little bit of fruit behind that you know that we can kind of unpack and get some value from just in the sense of understanding this person regardless of how long we see her on tv yeah no I, I agree so did you watch last season or no of orange county no not really i didn't 
So how has your reaction to this season been having missed a season as I have? Like, what's your, what is your thinking about the first two episodes and what are your hopes, if any, or dread for what's to come in OC? I think, um, I think I, I'm just going into it slowly with like an open mind Mm -hmm. and, you know, so far it's been pretty captivating. And if it's, if it gets kind of like sloggy or boring, i I don't have to watch, um, but I'm like, I'm just, I'm hopeful. I, you know, I always want Bravo to do well. So I, <laughs> I want to root for my gal. <laughs> I mean, there is the idea of that where I'm like, good for you. Yeah. Like the, the first two episodes of Orange County. I'm just, I'm like a proud parent of this corporation. Owned I know. By- <laughs> a mega lord because I'm like you did it yeah you did it you guys you brought back good OC like we didn't think it was possible and in my heart I'm like it. I really hope that if they see that they can do that with OC they can mm-hmm. do it with New York because like New York is is my girl like I really want New York to come back in some way okay I have gone back and forth so many times with New York, a lot of it offline because I think the opinions talk about an unpopular opinion about like what needs to happen, what doesn't. I'm re-watching. I started watching, re-watching season nine and now I'm on 12, which is like the dark season mm. um, before the true end of days. Um, what would you, what, what do you think could help make New York great again? Like, what is what is that thing that you think could help or that you want to see happen? Yeah, um, I would love uh, what here's what I think. And I am certainly not an expert, but what I think they could do is I think they could maybe just keep Ebony and Leah and get and get everybody else is gone. And even my favorite who is Sonia Sonia I love I love her so much but I just wonder if it would be a like a more interesting vibrant show if they got different people maybe even from different boroughs doesn't doesn't have to remain Manhattan and just kind of see what else is out there because if those are the only like crazy middle-aged women in New York like that's that can't be true there must be more and there could be a different pairing that would be less um not not even problematic just like uh not fun like racist in a in a way that all racism is not fun not what I meant to say (laughs) (laughs) you can do it you can do it you can do it yeah just like women being crazy and not having to be incredibly brutally offensive I don't know. I mean, and I also think that it's one of those things where, you know, I think that people have gotten used to the idea of New York not necessarily engaging in really uncomfortable, offensive conversations that have to do with politics because we're so used to other offensive, uncomfortable conversations that typically do involve Ramona, but are more like you're a terrible person in this friend dynamic, you know, where it was like, we can't, it's too much terrible person. Choose a lane. We need you to be somewhat salvageable in one area or not, but this is just not the cast in which to do this. It's not the vibe. It's not the time. 
it's just so dark. It's so dark and so there's nothing escapist about it except in the sense of like oh I have to go to that sad dark mad place again this Wednesday at nine you know like that's not the kind of escape that any of us want certainly not in COVID or anywhere else and there was no retribution retribution for it there was no justice for it because there was no reunion but there still should be shitty people on New York no like is there an argument that there can be a return to the shitty interpersonal interactions um hopefully not also involving you know some of the uber offensive headline making uh side or center talk like is it possible to want to value shitty people but draw the line at some versions of shitty conversation like does that make any sense I think so because I think it's like like other cities have been able to include people's culture or experience in a way that like has been interesting and engaging and all the women can kind of enjoy themselves there and the drama doesn't have to be about like what the definition of Chinese New Year is or something you know Mm -hmm. but like on New York she couldn't even handle going to like one Shabbat dinner and being irrespectful in any way and that base, the baseline should be just like, don't talk over someone when they're trying to explain the purpose of their dinner. Like, just let mm-hmm. them talk and then you can like yell at Sonia or whatever you need to do. But if you can't do that, then what are we even showcasing? Like, there has to be some kind of backdrop. It can't just be like you guys in each other's apartments. Like, there has to be something else going on. And if you can't do anything that has anything to do with like race, ethnicity, religion, whatever, like, that's really limiting. You live in New York City. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head here, but I'm going to twist a little bit and add a little bit of like a subversive tint, which is the idea that there is an argument from people who say, listen, I don't agree with what Ramona is saying. I think what she's saying is terrible and horrendous, but I do like her on the show. The terrible and horrendous ways she used to behave up until this point, I think were interesting and wild and insane and you know adding the disclaimer of I don't agree with her in any way and so on I do think she still has value to the show and yet if we look at Black Shabbat through the lens only of plot of nothing else or of the scene in the Hamptons when Ebony was thrown out of Lou's house if we look at that only through the lens of plot and also through the lens of like the corporate perspective on this it sort of sank a little bit like a lead balloon, these explosive moments. If you're only thinking about it and you're not putting any kind of like, you know, uh, question of morality, bigger conversations of uh, triggers in the sense of reality TV. If we're only thinking I could maybe call this entertaining, it didn't move anything forward. There was no place for anyone to go because it was so bad and so dark. So I don't know how we potentially have a devil's advocate conversation of like these were terrible things that happened but we still want to have these specific terrible some of these specific terrible people on the show because as we saw it you can't really drive the plot once you get to this point because it's just a huge blocker to anything else and I understand how some people are like oh I don't want politics in my housewives like I go there to escape I'm not watching the news I'm Mm -hmm. watching reality television 
but the world is changing and more people mm-hmm. are having these kinds of conversations or at least engaging on some level with like demographic differences. And I think that to ignore that entirely is to to st- stay stuck in the past. And it would be like we were watching um, you know, like old episodes of the show, they have to move forward. They have to adapt and change or like the, uh, the general audience isn't going to want to stick with them. And I think that there's a way to talk about these things where it's not like a downer, where it's not like, oh, we have to, you know, sometimes Ebony would try and educate a little too much. It isn't PBS, it is Bravo. But I think that her not talking about her blackness at all would be completely, you know, ignoring a hu- just her identity. Yeah, and I feel like that is the way that Ebony has, you know, the way that Ebony wants to discuss something is Ebony's perspective. The the prob- And that is her choice. The problem is that when you put a single black woman in the cast of New York surrounded by relatively conservative-leaning housewives and you don't provide, I don't mean this in a, like, political sense, but, like, real allies – or the idea of having actual conversation about this, it's doomed to failure and all of the pressure shifts to that um, voice that is seen as the minority, not just in the sense of her race, but also the power she has on the show because she's the newest. So it's this really difficult power imbalance and so much of the criticism fell on, on Ebony's shoulders and yet you have people there who've been on the show for over a decade who are stopping story moving forward regardless of how good it is or how uncomfortable they feel because they don't want to sit in that discomfort. And what happens is then that discomfort just passes to the audience. I mean, like I have changed my perspective over the course of the last year and even the last several months, many, many times and sort of still struggle with it because I do and have always felt like it's very important to have people on Housewives who have a difference of political opinion than I do. Um, And I do think it's important to have conservative Housewives. And I also find myself thinking it's so much more important now more than ever to try to understand a person and connect with them almost regardless of their political opinion. But that also involves a trust that isn't often countered And the reality is that if you're saying crazy shit that is triggering to someone, why would they want to talk to you about anything else? Like the idea of safety not being found in a person, I think, is incredibly important. And often that comes from a political place. So like with Ramona, I mean, she's the very last person (laughs) that I would want to connect with or talk with because she is so toxic and awful. She is a bad person, which was very valuable in a number of ways and her badness is used in the most entertaining of ways on on girls trip because there are people who are pushing back on it being like oh you are a bad (laughs) um but you know there is the idea of trying to have conversations that can be interesting and there's also the idea of like trying to figure out the ways to have uncomfortable conversations noting that this show was not created specifically for that like the audience has changed and the shows are trying to change their structures or their intents or their missions and they're gonna fail just as we are going to fail just as people are going to not do and say the right things I think that will sort of happen 
with moments on Housewives as people try to figure out how to navigate this um, and navigate the difficulties inherent in our society and who we are. And it's just a matter of like, are people comfortable being somewhat uncomfortable in what they might see? And I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. But I do I like, what the re- I like your idea or I like what you're saying about like, um, you know, just having gr- more allies or like having it be more equitable between the number of like conservative and non-conservative housewives. I think, I mean, I agree with you entirely. And I also think just New York has been pushing to like rewatching season 12. I don't, I think I'm like more than halfway through. It's a dark fucking season. It's tough because New York is like these women there have been some moments leading up to this where there's a lot of anger and rage through some of these housewives and some of these women that's exhibited through uh, or released rather most when they're super drunk and it wasn't fun. So then you try to navigate a new environment, sort of new world with new cast members, including Leah and Ebony, um, most specifically And yet there's still a lot of like dark, heavy clouds on the horizon that haven't been resolved. Like, what did we actually think was going to happen here? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Right. It's 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 tough because, you know, Orange County was able to do a reset, which involved taking out two of the most what's the word I'm trying to think of right now? And it's going to come to me in three days. Um, Two of the women who were the most, uh, uh, who got the most sort of negative uh, response from the audience. Oh, like polarizing? Thank you so much. Words are fun. Um, Taking up the two most polarizing figures in the cast, which seem to be, you know, the two that we all know who they are. um, It did help add a reset. And then you brought back in someone who has an iconic place in OC history and then added a couple other new women. I wonder what New York would look like if you figured out on that spectrum of polarizing who are the one, two, or three. It cannot just be one person. Like Ramona isn't solely responsible for how bad New York got. Like it, it truly does take a village in Manhattan. So who needs to be removed from that maybe maybe it's someone like Ramona who is incredibly polarizing and maybe there's someone else there you know I don't know that it needs to be a full cast reset which is what I thought it did before I think that there's some other kind of combination that could take place um but it doesn't necessarily mean that all of the conservative housewives need to be gone because I don't think that's a good idea either no me neither and I get that I mean I agree with that It's also the idea that like a lot of people use the phrase um, cancel culture and you use it as like a pejorative and a way of being like, I don't want to be held accountable. So I'm going to say cancel culture. But there is also the idea that that is a thing that does take place that I think is adding a lot of tension to the Bravo community in the sense of if I don't agree with you on certain things, which are incredibly important. I will not allow myself to hear you further. And that has a that has some waves. There are some aftershocks there of that. Like, yes, I think this is just going to be kind of like a little bit of a 
kind of clunky, chaotic way that some people, meaning most human people, are navigating, you know? I just, when it comes to cancel culture, I feel so much more, like, I have a weird sense of respect for people who are, like, Mm. unabashedly, unapologetically, like, this is my belief system, and I am going to stick to it. And I think the real um, sort of people who are cowards are the people who use who say like, oh, cancel culture, cancel culture. So I can't say what my opinion is, or I'm not going to be honest about what my opinion is. And that's also not very interesting because then you're like not really getting into what your differences are. Yeah. I mean, I think there is something to be said for the fact that people would like to be real quiet about what they want to think. And there is a little bit of a rush to the system and the idea of like, say what you think like let's have a conversation about that which can take place in a, on a lot of different topics um and there's also the idea that when it comes to accountability part of the problem in New York is because of the network's decision not to have a reunion as bad and awful as it surely would have been because there's a little bit of a valley there when it comes to like, okay, if we're going to do a reset and we're going to start to like navigate a new world for the network and the community about having difficult conversations and holding people accountable when they say bad things, Ramona is such an obvious example of that. And yet she wasn't held accountable. And yet we know that Mary likely will be at the reunion. It's just a little odd because Mary should be held accountable. She said racist and derogatory things about Mexicans uh, during the episode in um, wherever the fuck they were. Vale, it's all like rich people skiing. I always forget. But um, in some sort of ski extravaganza chalet, um, she should be held accountable for that at the reunion. It's just it's it's a weird thing to be like, okay, we're going to talk about accountability and we're going to talk about people needing to um, be held accountable for bad behavior, including being racist on camera. And so we're going to likely see that with Mary on the reunion. And we obviously saw Kenya being held accountable for the culturally appropriative um, uh, choice of what she wore at Halloween. And it's like, okay, but Ramona also had an entire season, like an entire season. And Brandy and Leanne on Dallas too. And Brandy. And Kristen and Stassi on Vanderpump. I mean, that was horrible. Yes, that was horrible. That also, though, wasn't a part of the plot. Oh, true. It was Brandy and Leanne were at reunions. Kristen and Stassi were just fired. You know what's so terrible? You said Brandy, and I did not remember who you meant. Is that? (laughs) I literally, if you heard it in my voice, I was like, Brandy. You forgot her. Brandy Redman? Brandy Redman. I have forgotten so much about dallas oh wow dallas that's my my fucking problematic bay right there i love dallas (laughs) oh god dr tiffany moon oh the the projects i want for her and i just don't know my friend bought her candle i have a six-pack in my office i'm literally looking at the box literally right now and i don't technically light candles because I'm afraid of fire but that will be the first candle that I light like I literally the very first candle that I light will be a doctor and they are guys by the way sidebar like they're phenomenal they look gorgeous they smell great sometimes I like obviously because I haven't lit it yet because I'm terrified like 
I, I, once someone teaches me how to light a candle, sidebar, sidebar, I truly don't know how. I know that it involves fire, but like, I don't, I feel like you have to put a plate under it. Like, we've had this conversation on Andy's Girls. I like don't understand how to light a candle, but I will, and hers will be the first. Um, but it's just like one of those things where, you know, we're having conversations and holding people, you know, having these conversations. And I think, you know, some of these women are having uncomfortable conversations that maybe they've never had to have before. And there's the pressure of doing that on camera and the pressure of other people wanting to participate in that conversation. And it's just a weird look that like, we're not getting it with Ramona, but we're making sure to do it in other places. It just makes me feel a little, little uncomfy. Is how. Oh, it makes are you me feel watching? Are you watching Vanderpump this season? Okay. No, not a single. Okay. I was literally about to be like, I watch literally everything. I'm watching season twelve of New York. What does that tell you about <laughs> the lack of taste that I happily lower for whatever? But I haven't watched a single episode of it. Well, this is it bad? okay. Well, I, just, I mean, yes. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just haven't been interested in it at all. Oh, I thought you meant is it bad that you're not? No, it's fine that you're not watching. It is bad. Vanderpump is not good. But um, there's this weird plot point because. Uh, do you remember Charlie? She's cute. She like yelled at Jax. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so she was like grabbed by this guy who's a friend of Sheena's partner at her, at Sheena's partner's birthday party. And um, yeah, it was not, it was not a good look. And Sheena didn't like really defend her because Sheena's, you know, Sheena cannot stand up to people. She does not have the ability mm-hmm. to do that. And mm-hmm. they're talking all about like how, you know, this is important and people need to stand up to people. And they're not talking about how Ariana's brother was accused of being like real creepy with some people. You don't remember that? Like, no, honestly, I don't. I don't know why I have an encyclopedic to... fucking memory was for that these assholes. That on camera? The stuff with yeah, Ariana? Well, they, they didn't catch the Ariana's brother doing stuff on camera, but um, they talked about it on camera. I think he... I think it was with Stassi. Okay. But I'll I, I just thought it was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, but all. I don't know anything about this. I just was thinking like, it's kind of weird that you guys are talking about this, but like there ha- there. Yeah. There were allegations against her brother and she's involved in all these conversations and she's just like, not really saying anything, but whatever. I mean, again, this is one of those instances of like, how do you discuss this stuff in a way when Bravo wasn't necessarily created for it. And yet there's a lot of value that can be had, even in the way that people don't talk about stuff and like, okay, well, this is, this gets, it's get, life is very complicated. And sometimes people say things in a way that you want them to, and oftentimes you don't. And so, you know, for a network and an idea, if you think of Bravo as like a philosophy and the way that people who don't watch it, who I will refer to as morons, uh, the way that people are like, oh, it's all scripted, it's all fake, and it's like, okay, LOL, we get it. But, you know, there are such obvious tenets of reality of people being uncomfortable, not wanting to talk about these really serious topics, and sometimes they do that on camera too. I mean, what could be more real than that? What could yeah. be more real than messy reactions to very difficult topics? That how how do you fake that <laughs> that is like the realest part of reality is stumbling through very difficult conversations i can't think welcome to literally every other episode of ag like i can't think of anything realer than that of trying to talk and connect or disconnect yeah you know yeah so vpr is like no brain right 
I mean, sometimes it's nice to like see your old friends and then you see mm. them and you remember why you're not that tight anymore. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I feel about it. It's like, yeah, it's like just uh, sort of lackluster. It's not what it used to be. I honestly think, wait, the reunion hasn't started yet, right? Like it's coming up. A Vanderpump? Yeah. I think we're only halfway through the season. Oh, really? Oh, maybe it's just the fact that I know that they recorded it. Oh, I'm. this is how oh, yeah. little See, I'm paying attention. That's okay. the, uh, the other reason why I'm watching, because I got to get all the way up to Raquel and James breaking up at the reunion. I right. know it's not going to be as good as I think it will be, but I want to see that little man be upset. <laughs> that little, little man. Oh, I my God. Him. I I do want to watch the reunion mostly because when I last saw James, we were cheering for James. James was like on his journey, really discovering himself, holding himself accountable. And from what I've heard from people, it's like, no, he's like a toxic fucking mess. And so I do actually want to, I might, I might be a Bravo cheater, um, cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater in the sense that I might just watch the VPR reunion. Cause I want to see that. And I want to see Lala talk about Rand. Oh, so I think that's, that's a good where, point. Yeah, that's fine. That's where do I'm that. Gonna, right. Um, Listen, speaking of talking, I do want to shift gears a little bit because there's so much that happened on the new Salt Lake City and through your work and through your interest in justice and social action in every sense, there is so much to discuss through the lens of what was even brought up on Salt Lake City. And I think specifically of that scene with Jen and Heather where and also in the scene with Jen and Coach Shaw the difficult conversations over the ways that her sons and her family, her nephew were treated by police, by Homeland Security. Um, and the idea of who's actually, who actually gets punished when a parent is accused of, you know, federal crimes. That was absolutely fucking disgusting. Like, you know why you're going in there to arrest her. You're going in there to arrest her because of a, you know, a multi-level marketing, whatever the fuck it is. Like a mm-hmm. company that is, they are claiming defrauded people. Her 15-year-old son, you think he really has a higher level role in that? And also he's not even, there's no way he's on the like arrest warrant or any of the paperwork that you have for her. It's Jen Shaw. So there's no like mistaking is Jen Shaw this 15 year old child? Why are you handcuffing him? Why are you doing any of these things? Like I, I understand there's some sort of like protocol with police, but like that is so, that was so offensive. And I, and when I first saw it, I was one of those people who was like, why is Bravo showing this? And now I'm a little bit like, okay, I kind of, get why you can make an argument that it's okay to show it because we're showing how terrible it is what they Mm. did and maybe it could inspire more people to have conversations about like the extreme power that we've given to law enforcement agencies and and what they're allowed to do like you know that's I, i was i was so um just like personally upset clearly by that it was awful Well, Jen raised a point that I thought was actually kind of interesting where she was like, and maybe I just made this up in my head. It's entirely possible. It happens 40% of the time. But like the question of like, was Stewart's family treated that way? Which I, I mean, it's not the same level of arrest, of charges, or maybe it is. Like, I don't know how, uh, I don't know the kind of, um, 
allowances that are given based on the high level of the crime one is accused of committing, how that plays a role in how you are arrested, I would think that is very important. But if he's being accused of like high level crime and she's being accused of high level crime, regardless of if it's like identical, did they enter his home in the same way that they did hers? Oh, I bet they didn't. I mean, I think that's a conversation and it's one that will probably possibly take place at the reunion, which Jen is, of course, going to attend. But it does also get into like very weird turns of attention even in the way that she was describing Stuart as like kind of just a guy who was doing his own thing like oh that was great and then they cut to her feeding him a banana (laughs) she was literally feeding him essentially giving him like just you know chicken soup for the soul in potassium form saying you're doing great at this thing you're doing for me making me money yeah what do you think Jen's strategy is at this point oh god I can't even imagine Mm. I watched that Hulu documentary even though everyone said it was Mm. boring just because I was like I don't really understand financial crimes at all I don't really understand it I'd like to learn more yeah it did break it down in a way that was like a little bit more um palatable for my Mm. like child brain and I did I I, they didn't exactly as far as I can remember like explain you know like at what level she was at and what level Stu was at but um she she definitely like did stuff and learned how to do this stuff or allegedly she allegedly did stuff it probably Mm -hmm. did stuff but and learned how to do it in um different companies she had worked for in the past because those mm-hmm. companies are also like people from those companies are being charged with crimes. They had already been charged with crimes. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's also like seems really weirdly common among Mormon communities. And I know she's not Mormon anymore, but um, like I, I've heard rumors, rumors that that's how Whitney's husband got his money was from MLMs. Mm-hmm. So like. I don't know. There's a lot of like uh, financial potential fraud that is happening in Utah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of potential fraud that's happening in Utah unrelated to their specific cultural upbringing and religion when we think of Mary and like what she's doing in her church. So I just think it is is a fascinating. I would take a religious connection out of it and just say it is so because I just I truly just don't know enough so mm-hmm. I don't want to make that categorization even if it's there is some sort of cultural component in some way I, I truly don't know but it is wild when you think of the timing of it all that the Jen stuff is happening and not to equate the two but while Mary stuff is happening it is not common for two high level confusing manipulative uh, vulnerable communities affected stuff to happen for a second season cast in over the course of the same season. It's like, I don't know which way to turn. Like, yeah. am I putting my attention on the Mary stuff? Am I putting my attention on the Jen stuff? Then Jen and Mary meet up and then it's like, oh, but Mary said this stuff about how God said you were going to get arrested and mazel tov. You know, like it's, there's a lot that's like happening and it's just, I 
you know, there's the idea of like being in a housewife scene, you know, you're maybe like a beta housewife and you're watching two um, alpha housewives or two housewives who are very outspoken kind of battle with each other. And now we're watching that with like one housewife in the federal government and another housewife and a former congregant. And then housewives yelling at each other about which side they're on for which housewife who's being accused of bad things. And it's in the same cast and it's a second season. And it's also in Salt Lake City. Like literally what is going. This is I mean, literally what is happening right now? Well, I don't know if you watched. Did you watch the Lula Rowe documentary? Of course I did. Okay. I fucking ate that shit up. I'm pretty sure that's where I learned about the like connection between like organized religion and MLMs. Yes. Yeah. Some organized religion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, it's just yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, like yeah. it it does make sense that if you're in this community where you're like encouraged to not ask questions and to just follow whatever mm. the person in charge says that like mm-hmm. that could extend to to you being taken advantage financially like in Mary Church or if you were taken advantage of by some company that Jen Shaw may have had a connection to. Yeah, I think, and it's like the idea of what it what does it mean to be taken advantage of, and what does it mean to have trust in bodies of power, regardless if they're connected to a religious source. Except if they do happen to be a, connected to a religious source, all the more pressure on you to do as they say. I mean, it's incredibly layered and multifaceted, and there is also the thing that I think a lot of people discuss, but also nobody talks about. Maybe in the sense of like we need to see more of the cast talking about this. Mary is seen as a figurehead in her church and in her community. And when I think of like figureheads from my faith and my upbringing, shout out Temple, Bethel and Providence, Rhode Island. What's up from my rabbis? You guys know who you are. What's up? But like I think of like these people were seen as like in all aspects, privately, personally, as there's almost a sense of responsibility of a respect and a trust that passes from a congregant to a spiritual leader. Yeah. And then we see a spiritual leader joining the real housewives, which is a fascinating take. And then we see them saying terrible things over and over again. And I mean, one could pull out of there. Look, your church leader is also a human. So, you know, divine power being what it is, like, isn't it so interesting that people who can do so much good, I'm like real devil's advocating here, but like someone who can do so much good is also human and makes mistakes. Like that could be an interesting sermon or also she's saying terrible, (laughs) terrible racist thing. She's not the first church leader to do that. She shouldn't be responsible for the idea of all religiously, you know, like Mary didn't create this. She just happens to likely be benefiting from it. And the level of benefit is TBD. It is just a wild thing. Like, how are you a member of Mary's church watching Salt Lake City? How I, does that work out? I mean, I, ju- I do think the powers of denial are very strong. Like it is, mm. it is so there are so many like different ways you can rationalize or come up with like new reasons for why these things may be occurring. But I, I hope that the way that, you know, the Scientology documentary inspired a lot of people to leave Scientology, maybe this is inspiring people to just be a little bit more critical of 
their religious leaders and just be careful not to give them too much money. I mean, and listen, I happen to be, I'm almost totally caught up. I binge like a motherfucker, the dropout, the Elizabeth Holmes podcast that Rebecca Jarvis hosts. And it's, I've, you know, read the Lizzie Holmes, yada, yada. I've watched Lizzie Holmes, yada, yada. But the podcast is fucking wild AF and they're now covering her trial as it goes on. And it is just so interesting that when you think of a cult ethos, which can be big business, it can be a startup promising to get, you know, a little ounce of blood and solve world disease or on the battlefield and whatever else. You can have religion, you can have startups, you can have tech companies, you can have just family structures when some people are given a lot of power and are put in positions of power where there is a belief that for their chosen purpose, they're better than everyone else. Sometimes that works out. Sometimes that works out. But people are truly terribly affected by that. You know, like there are some geniuses in the U.S., bajillionaires or whomever else who are have devastating damages on their own, you know, mini communities or, or family or whatever else as a way to maintain that power and authority. And sometimes people use it for bad shit and sometimes they believe it. I mean, it's just like, it's just so wild that we can have these conversations. And I think of a through line between Mary Cosby and Theranos, you know, (laughs) like it is wild and yet it seems somewhat real. Like the idea of this person, the front of it all, you know, of I'm going to put on the black turtleneck and I'm going to lower the register of my voice and you are, I'm going to make you believe, you know, there is something so interesting to that. And it certainly wasn't how housewives was created. The idea of housewives wasn't created for people, um, uh, for this kind of fraud to reveal itself, it was really created so like Vicky Gumbelson can yell at somebody about a car and we can <laughs> see that people who seem very rich and very happy are often anything but happiness and often anything but rich. And this is the distortion that we now find ourselves in and we are truly blessed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, I just have to be thankful that someone at Bravo found her and that they put her on television and now we can we can look at her disgustingly cramped closet space where i believe she spends 90% of her day there's so much stuff in there and as a hoarder like i have trouble throwing away boxes cuz i'm like wait i could use that box for something or mm-hmm. rather i might want to return that item in 6 months time like i kind of get it it just also sucks cuz it's like you have, regardless of how she's buying this, which is the other conversation that um, Whitney is is doing her best to find out. Yeah. Regardless of how you're buying this, it's just like all of that stuff. It's just. Yeah. And like, it's, it's, it's kind of dark to just everything surrounding you. You get engulfed in it. You get lost in it. If, if you're if part of your space also like looks as as sort of. um like it looks like it's closing in on her, you know? Yeah, I think does. it's like a physical manifestation of what might be happening inside her brain. Mm. That's scary. I mean, and yet 
I wonder where we will go from here with the Mary stuff because Whitney is obviously disinterested in letting it go. Lisa is doing spiraling in whatever way and adding a lot of tension to a sort of somewhat like lightly fractured relationship with Meredith that will likely deepen as the season goes on. And by that, I mean the fracture, not the friendship. Um, You know, there are so many aspects to it that will have aftershocks, which is what is so interesting about this season and this cast, because this shit just happened with Jen and she's already filming a lunch. Like it's like you would think this shouldn't happen and yet it is, and it's wildly fascinating to see people work against their best interest, noting that technically you would think your best interest would be not committing crime. You yes. know, like it's the it's the um, riddle of this all of like when we're trying to see people react to things and regardless of what they might be thinking, like talk about the idea of breaking down a performance and getting real like what is realer than trying to continue a fraud knowing that now everyone knows yeah like what's realer than the tension behind that and the stress behind that yeah although she did have the same a lot of similar talking points and reactions that erica jane did so Mm. it's it's it feels sort of like i'm like oh, this is a thing now. Like we're watching people's um, sort of house of cards fall in this specific way is like, like the line that she said something about like, oh, now I know who my real friends are. I was like, damn, I've heard that before. Yeah. And also it is such a human thing to be like, where are the people supporting me? But the dot, dot, dot to that is like, but what are you accused of doing? So maybe there's the cell phone is changed and maybe there's the coach is trying to protect you and limit access to people. But maybe there's also the thing of like, maybe your cousin, your niece, your aunt isn't, or your close friend or cast member isn't going to call you right now because the federal government is accusing you of conspiring over the course of many years to like defraud. I mean, you would think that would give someone pause from sliding a text, you know? Yeah. Also, especially if you've ever had any kind of financial ties to them. And, but when you're so narcissistic, you're not thinking about like other people's feelings about, you know, things like that. Like that doesn't occur to you. Mm -hmm. You're just like, but they're not being nice to me right now. And I'm the one going through something. A hundred percent. And also the idea of like, they're not contacting me. And what I might also be saying is they don't want to film with me right now Mm -hmm. and how that ties into all of it. Because the, there's the idea of someone maybe doesn't want to be a good friend to me right now and how dare them. And also someone doesn't want to film with me right now. And I can categorize that as a friendship, which in some of these cases is less friendship and more like coworker style. Um, I mean, that gets into like the sudden of it all of like she's she was concerned first and foremost, as she should be, of uh, potentially being involved in all of this, being asked questions about this. If she continues to film with someone past the point of understanding what is actually going on, you know, it's different because Erica hasn't been accused or charged with anything. But just in the sense of like 
crime be criming. Some criming is happening. I don't necessarily want to be associated to that, but now the show structure is going to be built around it, at least this season. It's also, I don't know, it's funny thinking about the advice that I give to my clients who are like teenagers who, you know, are not accused of things like, you know, are accused of very different things. And it's always like, you know, try and stay off of social media. Don't talk to anyone about what you're accused of. Don't talk about the crimes. And also like, be careful who you're hanging out with because if you're with someone and they commit a crime, you could still be like um, charged with something depending on what that crime is. Um, So like if I were, you know, if what I imagine their lawyers are saying is probably like, you shouldn't be on this show. (laughs) Don't talk about what you're being accused of. Don't hang out with people who might also be doing crimes. Um, But, you know, they also, that's how they make their money. So. I mean, I can't imagine being a lawyer representing Jen and wanting to sign a release to appear on TV pretending to advise Jen. Oh, the the performance inside of the performance inside of the federal crime, not to say that they're doing, I just, I can't imagine it. I just can't imagine it. But um, I mean, we are truly blessed. Hashtag, you know, like, thank God if we're going to talk about faith. I mean, I have faith in the rest of the season being a fucking shit show and I'm yeah. here for it. Yeah, and I'm so appreciative of it because, you know, I mean, talk about a shooting star across the I don't know how long those fucking stars last before they go to star starsville or wherever <laughs> off route, whatever the hell. But like this isn't going to last. This probably may not happen again. <laughs> For the betterment of numerous vulnerable communities, I hope that it does not. But like, <laughs> while it's here, <laughs> while the season is here, it's going to be a wild fucking ride. And we should all just buckle up and continue to process and enjoy in whatever way we can and discuss it. Because uh, fingers crossed it won't happen again. But <laughs> well, now, here, now she's should. making money from doing appearances at strip clubs. So. You know, I almost went to that, but um, oh, I, I don't remember what happened that day. I've never been to a strip club before, and I was like, I think the very first one that I should go to should be um, for a quasi-PR event hosted by a past, after being indicted, uh, a Jennifer Shaw. Like, that she would that makes the, the most sense. There. Yeah, I, right? I appreciate that. And, you know, she doesn't have her chief stew anymore. Stewart is off you know signing deals getting stuff done oh, so God. yeah could be an interesting moment to connect this was such a delight I'm so glad that we have gone from dms <laughs> to a podcast I loved connecting with you can you tell the ags um uh if you want people to follow <laughs> Do you want that? You don't have to. You have a technically private account. You can just say that they can get in touch with you by um, sending uh, a note of support to Andy's Girl Show at gmail.com or something. I don't I truly don't even know. Promote whatever you would like during this time. The table is yours before I flip it. I mean, if, if yeah, if nice, if nice people who want who only say nice things want to follow mm-hmm. me, you're welcome to. It's not underscore Topanga because um, I people tell me I kind of look like Topanga from Boy Meets World. Oh 
my god, you do kind of look like Topanga yeah. Boy. Now I get it. Oh, now I get that. I never asked. And here we are learning new things every day. And P.S. If you are a nice person or not and want to join the Patreon, listen, be mean and give me your cash. I love it. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Girls. Some new bonus episodes going up shortly that I'm super excited about. Number one way to support the pod. $2 a month gets you love and support. Uh, $5 a month gets you two bonus episodes. $10 a month gets you four bonus episodes and invites to special Zoom key keys that happen throughout the year. And the premium tier gets you the chance to record a Patreon episode with yours truly. So Andy's Girls is, you know, fun and whatever because you're listening to it right now and it continues with your support. So patreon.com slash Andy's girls. Follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. The Tom Girardi best of lawyer giveaway that you guys have heard of is ongoing now on my Instagram stories doing a little trivia contest and the winner uh, receives that. And guys, gotta can only ship in the continental US and, you know, oral friendship contract. Please sage accordingly if you are the lucky person that wins. Really, truly can't impress upon you enough how important I think <laughs> that process should be. Listen, Veronica Leventhal, a total pleasure to have you on AG. You're welcome back anytime. Thank, Thank you again you. for coming to the to the live show, for supporting AG. I hope this was um, as painless a process <laughs> to be considering some of the circumstances involved but um I think it's incredibly powerful and shows the the value of Bravo to kind of hear a little bit more of your journey on kind of both sides of it um and the fact that you're able to still enjoy it and um uh you know find value in it I think is um is of great benefit to all of us. So I'm so appreciative for you coming on the pod today. Thank you. I don't know what it is a testament to that I'm still such a huge Bravo fan, but um, it, I don't know. Probably my um, my trash my trash insides that I uh, that I love so much. <laughs> not trash insides. I think it's the fact that you understand not to put words in your mouth, but why stop now? Um, understand the value that can still happen from it. Yeah. And like it's a very optimistic thing to kind of go through the journey that you've you've been through, sometimes not necessarily with your permission, but to kind of go through and navigate what can be a, a difficult kind of path and still say, you know what, there's still benefit to all of this, you know, and I get to choose to enjoy it. And it's the making of the choice that I think is really powerful. And, you know, I always think that like Bravo doesn't have to be a guilty pleasure because you don't have to feel shame for wanting to find value in understanding these very complicated and nuanced perspectives as we like discuss these women's lives. And I think that's a good thing. So I, I, I commend you for um, continuing to be such a supportive Bravo-holic um, and, uh, I don't know. I would. I don't know that I would call you a content creator. <laughs> really, like a content reposter, <laughs> right? A, a content something or other. Listen, guys. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I know I did. And you know, while I have you, stay safe. Stay safe. Get vaccinated if you can. Boost it. Tis the season. And we will talk to you soon. Bye bye.